almost live from the world headquarters of history. It's History X, the show about what they didn't teach you in school. I'm your host, Dr. Russell Cobb. Today on the show, some crazy stuff. I can't even believe. I, I really can't. I can't. Um, I was ready to bring a show to you about Santa Muerte, a Mexican folk religion. And it's a fascinating show. I've got the assistant producer, Sabrina Therani, and anthropology professor, Kate Kingsbury, to talk about that. But I, I just can't let this go. I've been glued to my podcasts and my newsfeed and my Twitter all day long watching something happen that as someone who researches uh, insurrections in American history, I, I should have not been surprised by at all. And yet I am absolutely floored. I can't believe that I'm seeing what I'm seeing. And if there's any question about what I'm talking about, I'll just let the BBC take over because they always sound great and much more authoritative and convinced of themselves than I do. Yes, they have. I've just come from the capital here to uh, this live position a few streets away. But what's happening there right now is the National Guard are now clearing that area and the D.C. police are clearing the area. They're clearing the steps and they're, they're going through inside the capital room by room to re-secure it. The place is meant to be a citadel and yet protesters managed to break in today and get right into the chamber itself. It has been an extraordinary day. It is what happens when, as you suggest, you unleash chaos. What happened today was unconstitutional in the extreme. One of the glories of the American system and the American Constitution is this peaceful transfer of power. It was the first constitution in the world to do that. It was the legacy okay, that's, of Okay, that's really nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Grossman, for that uh, pay-in to American democracy. But I, 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 as much as I share your concern, um, I have to say that this phrase, peaceful transition of power, we got to take a closer look at that. And today on History X, we're going to do just that. We're going to look at a time where there was no peaceful transition of power in America. In fact, there was a quite violent insurrection that resulted in a coup. You probably haven't heard about it. I didn't hear about it growing up and I grew up just down the road from where it actually took place. But that's what we do here on this show. So please stay tuned. You are listening to the mighty, mighty CGSR from 88.5 FM in Amiskwichi, West Gigan, Edmonton, Treaty 6 Territory. This is History X, the show about what they didn't teach you in school. Today, breaking news. Almost breaking news. Stay right there. The governor orders the National Guard to string barbed wire around the Capitol building. National Guard troops take up defensive positions with machine guns. The Ku Klux Klan, after a campaign of terror against the governor's supporters, calls for his ouster. 
They are determined to expel the man from the capital. The governor promises to pardon anyone who shoots and kills a clansman. The Grand Dragon taunts the governor in the press and headlines tell citizens, prepare for war. Well, guess what, people? Uh, that was um, kind of a fake broadcast, but hey, guess what? It was not totally fake because the scene I described is quite real. It actually took place, and this is not some plot against America or the man in the high castle style alternative history, although I do love those kinds of shows. Maybe not so much right now, because real history, it uh, has all the plot twists and terrifying turns of events I would ever want to see. No, the scene I was describing there with the governor defying the Ku Klux Klan and the Klan determined to expel the governor from his position um, and the preparation for war. Yeah, that, that, that happened. And um, so when I hear people like, you know, that uh, wonderful BBC reporter talking about the peaceful transition of power and when you read the Washington Post, for example, remarking that Americans are just not used to seeing political factions take up arms and go against their opponents, that that's something that's something that happens in, I think they believe they said Zimbabwe or Russia or Cambodia. I think that that's a little naive and actually historically inaccurate. Americans don't have to look overseas for antecedents of political coups. They can just look right in the middle of the country. The Oklahoma State Capitol in 1923 witnessed what can only be described as a coup d'etat. Um, a coup, by the way, uh, I am not going to, I probably should, but I can't really get into the political science aspects of it. So I'm just going to give you like a straight up dictionary definition. This is from Webster's. It's a sudden, decisive exercise of force in politics, especially when violence occurs. Well, that's exactly what went down in 1923. And for this detailed historical account, I'm going to refer to the work of a historian and legal scholar named C. Blue Clark. He wrote a dissertation about it in 1976, but it was not easy to write this dissertation. He said that when he started looking into the role of the Klan in sponsoring a coup in Oklahoma, he wrote this, quote, enter a room filled with people and inquire about the Klan. And the result is similar to turning on a light at night in a kitchen and watching the cockroaches scatter. The Klan overthrowing a governor in 1923 is interesting for many reasons. And one of one of them is that the Democrat who was overthrown had been dealing with his own kind of difficult split in the party, just like Joe Biden, the Democrat Jack C. Walton, who people like to call our Jack, sticking up for the working man. 
Well, Walton stitched together a coalition of centrists, um, what used to be the old Socialist Party, and uh, black voters, which really irked the uh, Republican Party. Now, the remnants of the Socialist Party, they were kind of in ruins. They had been actually quite successful in Oklahoma in the 19-teens. Eugene V. Debs, that grand old man of heartland socialism, had done better in Oklahoma than any other state. Now, they backed Our Jack, and Our Jack won. Our Jack won after a big campaign during which he became absolutely appalled by a lynching. There was a lynching of an African-American man named Jack Brooks in Oklahoma City. And while the Republicans sat by quietly and accepted the endorsement of the rising influence of the Ku Klux Klan, Walton had had it. Now, a lot of moderate white voters, they didn't really perceive the insidious influence of the Klan in the political mainstream. They kind of saw it as a ridiculous sideshow. These were a bunch of guys parading around in white caps and burning crosses. But the Klan's power grew and grew, and it was only after the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921 that the Klan really established itself as a kingmaker of sorts in, polit- in the political mainstream. Now, this wasn't just in Oklahoma. This was a Southwestern phenomenon. Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas um, were all in the thrall of the KKK of the 1920s. The leader lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and they were they were never they were never secret about their aims. They were quite explicit about the fact that they would take violent means to enforce a strict morality code that accepted no immigrants, Jews, African-Americans, or even Catholics. And they did this all under the cloak of being a benevolent society. And here's one of the crazy things that I learned as I was looking into the Klan's role in this scandal was that you couldn't look them up as the clan in the uh, in the phone book. If you wanted to look them up, you looked them up under the benevolent society. And that's how they like to be understood. And they built a huge convention hall in Tulsa in the 1920s. And it was simply called Beano Hall. Now, it, that's how it was listed. Beano, B-E-N-O. Now, they said that Beano was, was short for benevolent. And that was the official word on the street. But everyone knew that Bino actually stood for B-No. Bino immigrants, Bino Jews, Bino other racial epithets. The new grand dragon of the Oklahoma clan was pretty slick. He wasn't some country bumpkin. He was a well-to-do pharmaceutical salesman from Oklahoma City. And he was on a constant public relations campaign to He was on a constant public relations campaign to assure moderate people 
that the only aim of this organization was to maintain law and order. He talked about insecurity and said that he and his organization would fix it. Of course, in reality, what the Klan was doing was conducting a campaign of terrorism. And it was backed by the police department. It was backed by city officials. And of course, you've probably heard of lynchings, and those were the most notorious acts. But actually, everyday occurrences included whippings, beatings, death threats, harassments of anyone who did not live up to a strict fundamentalist white Protestant version of what the Klan considered the right way to live. Now, the Klan carried out all kinds of vicious activities that were either endorsed or tolerated by police, by the police department. This came back to bite them, of course, because at one point, a black police officer in Tulsa was kidnapped and he had his ear cut off. All of this caught the attention of our Jack, Jack C. Walton, who was elected governor in a really sweeping mandate. He really ran the table and threw a huge barbecue. I mean, this, this guy's barbecue is incredible to behold. There are, there are photos of tens of thousands of people swarming the Capitol. And uh, I always thought barbecue, I mean, it's pulled pork and ribs. Well, they, they, ran about, they ran out of all that stuff. And apparently mutton and even squirrel uh, were, were popular items at uh, the governor's inaugural barbecue. Now, the governor actually flirted with the KKK for a while. I think he thought that by gaining entry into this powerful organization, he could influence it. But once he was inside, he realized it was a lot worse than he thought it was. And the event that really sent him over the edge was early in his tenure, a Jewish man suspected of dealing narcotics in Tulsa was kidnapped. And as they often did, they drove this man out into the country, tarred and feathered him, and then they started whipping him. But often they would whip people to leave some lashes and serve as a symbol. But this man, they tortured and they flayed open his penis. He was near death in the hospital when the governor got a telegram informing him that this had taken place with the support of, well, with the backing of the Klan. And at this point, Walton flipped. He said he was ready for total war. He declared to the press, quote, there cannot be two governments in Oklahoma while I am governor. And everyone responsible for the Klan's terror would face justice. And he was serious about it this time. He wasn't even going to rely on police departments. He deployed the National Guard. The National Guard was ordered to find Klansmen, arrest them, and have them tried, not in courts, county and state courts, but in military tribunals. He wanted them gone. It was an all-out war. The Tulsa World said, Governor prepares for statewide war against Klan. You'll hear about what happens next coming up. 
You're listening to History X, the show about what they didn't teach you in school. This is a special breaking news attempted coup edition. We do a lot of stuff about attempted coups here. Um, Sit tight, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to bring you maybe a hit from 1923 when all this stuff was going down. Here's an old ditty from Billy Murray. No, not that Bill Murray. Billy Murray and Ed Small, that old gang of mine from 1923. Stay right there. Well, well, old-timer, say you're looking good. What brings you down to the old neighborhood? Just looking for the best pals that I ever had. I never thought that I'd want them so bad. Gee, but I give the world to see that old gang of mine. I can't forget that old quartet that sang sweet Adeline. Goodbye forever, old fellows and gals. Goodbye forever, old sweethearts and pals. God bless them, ye. But I give the world to see that old gang of mine. That, my friends, is Billy Murray and Ed Small. Doesn't it feel good to have the old gang back in the neighborhood? Not yet, not yet, not yet, Billy. Billy, we still have COVID. The old pump, and that's Stu. Say, can't you remember us kids in a group? There was Shorty and Red and Skinny. Billy, 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 Billy. We need to practice social distancing. I mean, come on. We just had a great pandemic. 1919. Millions of people died. Billy, 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 Billy. Welcome back. History X, the show about what they didn't teach you in school. I am your host, Russell Cobb. We're broadcasting from the mighty, mighty CGSR 88.5 FM, which broadcasts from Amiskwichiwa, Skygon, Edmonton, Treaty 6 Territory. This episode, we're talking about an actual coup. Yep, not an attempted one. Not a bunch of bozos breaking into the Capitol and ransacking stuff, but an actual coup, successful one that happened in the heartland in 1923. Same year, you probably heard that old gang of mine on the radio. If you were lucky enough to have a radio in 1923, which I'm not sure a lot of people did. Anyway, <clears throat> we left off with our Jack. He is irritated at the Klan and demands accountability. Not only does he set up the military, military tribunals to have the National Guard prosecute Klansmen, he actually declared martial law and put a government censor, an actual person who would censor uh, the Tulsa Tribune. That was the most widely circulated daily at the time because the Tribune's editor, Richard Lloyd-Jones, who we talked about on episode one of the show, by the way, was a notorious Klan sympathizer and architect, backer, supporter of 
the horrible destruction that was the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921, Walton knew that the Tribune was spreading lies and his censor would make sure that the Tribune would not print any more fake news. Well, legislators, as the, as the tribunal found, the, the majority of the state legislators, not all of them, but the majority, were Klansmen themselves. They started impeachment proceedings. That's when the chain link, that's when the barbed wire fence came out. That's when the machine guns came out. That's when Walton proclaimed that if anyone saw any guy in a white hood, he had his permission, Walton's permission, to shoot him on sight. So the Klan wasn't taking it lying down, of course. The Klan had determined that it would oust the governor for an abuse of power. But the governor refused to let the legislature even meet, and he ordered the troops to disperse. And indeed, he said if they did not disperse and they insisted on meeting, they should shoot to kill. Well, as you can imagine, this didn't earn the governor a lot of friends. And so Walton started to conduct this war against the Klan, alienated from some of his previous backers. He still had lots of uh, supporters in the legislature, and those legislators got into fights. Yeah, they actually got into fist fights on the Capitol floor. The National Guard ordered them to disperse, and the Klan-backed legislators reconvened at the Skirvin Hotel in Oklahoma City, which is this gorgeous old hotel is sort of a testament to um, Oklahoma's prior heyday as the oil capital of the world. Yeah, and they met in the Skirvin Hotel and conducted impeachment proceedings. Uh, the Klan was immensely powerful, and the National Guard could not even manage to disperse them from the hotel lobby. They conducted impeach impeachment proceedings and indeed impeached the governor. If there was any doubt about who had impeached the governor, who had extricated him from office, a year later, a special train car, a train that rolled into Dallas for the Texas State Fair, laid that to rest. This special train car was full of Oklahoma Klansmen and they sported a banner on the train that read, did we impeach Walton? Hell yes. We'll be back with the last part of our show in just, in just a minute. I'd like to remind you that you are listening to the mighty, mighty CGSR broadcasting from Amiskwichiwa Skygon in Treaty 6 territory. And uh, I think it's time to bring you another hit from 1923. 1923, all the hits. Yes, we have no bananas. There's a fruit store on our street. It's run by a Greek. And he keeps good things to eat. But you should hear him speak. When you ask him anything, he never answers no. Yes, it's you to death. And as he takes your dough, he tells you, yes, of course, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. We've string beans and onions, kabodges and scallions, 
and all kinds of fruit and say, we have an old-fashioned tomato, a Long Island potato, but yes, we have no bananas, we have no bananas today. Yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas. From the immortal Billy Jones, one of the immortal hits of 1923 in which America witnessed a successful coup d'etat. If you haven't heard about it, uh, you should um, find this show on your local podcast provider. Rewind it. Because we are coming to the denouement, the part where uh, I talk to you about the, the end of Walton. He was overthrown by the Klan, there's no doubt about it, and it is a pointed reminder that white nationalists are not unprecedented in terms of their raw power in American politics. And this episode is not an aberration. In 1898, white nationalists in Wilmington, North Carolina, objected to the election of the mayor, which uh, who was elected with the support of a a lot of the city's black population, they kicked him out of office and they massacred a segment of the city's black population. So these things happen. They're not unprecedented. Um, you know, uh, one of the many photos that really struck me today was a photo of a young man carrying a Confederate flag through the Capitol. And people were appalled by this. I was too. But if you look closely at the photo, You'll see behind him in a gilded frame a painting of a dignified-looking man named John C. Calhoun. John C. Calhoun defended the institution of slavery for decades in Congress, and many things are named after him. He's he is remembered as one of the most important Congress people in the history of the United States. So. This is not unprecedented. This is yet another flare-up in a struggle that has been going on for a long time. I don't know if that makes you feel better or worse or what. We've been here before. Well, my friends, it now comes the time that I bid you adieu from History Central. The show that has all the history, many histories, good and bad, in these precedented times, many precedents, bad precedents, very ugly precedents. History X is a show that is broadcast every other Thursday on the airwaves of the radio transmitter known as CJSR 88.5 FM. I don't know what FM stands for because in 1923 we just have regular radio. The shortwave, they call it. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you in a couple weeks to explore something called Sacta Muerte. You're going to want to hear that one. I'm Russell Cobb on behalf of Sabrina Therani, 
I thank you for listening. And I remind you to search us up. CJSR History X. Search that up in your Facebook search bar. You'll find us. We're also at History Pod on Instagram. And I'm on Twitter at Russell S. Cobb. Take care. Some Trump supporters managed to get inside. They were armed and wandering the Capitol building. There were tense and violent scenes with police who'll have never dealt with anything like this. These pictures appear to show a woman protester being shot inside the Capitol building. A stretcher was sent in. She was later given CPR. A protester breached the inner sanctum of the chamber. The vice president had to be removed to safety by his secret service detail. And then the joint session was adjourned.